All right, we are in a year-long um, kind of series or theme called Come With Me. And if you are new to Shine tonight, we just ask that you sit back and enjoy what God has for you. Um, and throughout the year, we kind of had, the, had this theme of Jesus inviting us to come away with him. And in the middle of that, him asking us to teach then on several different little issues. Um, and so in May and June, we talked about the Holy Spirit. And we felt very much as a teaching team that we needed to transition that into uh, an, an idea and a thought um, about transformation. And here was how this came about. We were talking about it as a, as a uh, form, or teaching team, and one of the things that came out is ultimately the goal and where we're trying to get is that we would equip and train every single one of you to be disciple makers. Okay, there should be a big amen there. Um, because if you take this good news and you, you receive it just for yourself and you don't share it with anybody else, then you're, you're kind of being, number one, selfish a little bit, but you're not fulfilling what Jesus asked us to do, which is to take that good news and share it with all of the world. And that is our job and that is our responsibility. I think many times one of the reasons we don't do that is because we don't think we're worthy of it or that we're qualified or we have the right words or we can't connect or we don't know the Bible well enough or many different excuses that would hinder us from being able to share this good news with the world. And as we were talking about that as the teaching team, we began to realize that one of the things that really helps somebody enable them to share the good news with somebody out in this world is an understanding that one, uh, one thing that God wants to do is transform your life so that you can give that to somebody else. He's not asking you to go into the world and profess things that you have no idea about. He's asking you to go into the world and share what God has done in you with somebody else. And I know that every one of you can do this because I've seen most of you in action on this. For instance, if you go to a brand new restaurant in town and you liked it, I have seen you encourage other people to go to that restaurant. Yes? Uh, I gathered with 30 people in here when the Nuggets won the NBA championship. And they were here because you invited them to come. We kind of did a spontaneous meeting and all of a sudden, hey, come to this party, come to this. Hey, we, we do this with many things in this world. Um, we take our experiences and we share them with other people. And so we are gonna do um, just a little mini series in this Come With Me talk called Transformed because the heart that we came up with was this. When you've been transformed in an area, it gives you the ability, the power, and the authority now to talk to anybody else about that area, okay? I was sharing this with the mentor uh, that I get with, John Peterson. He's, he spoke here before. Uh, many of you may know him, but we were talking about it, and he said uh, something that just really kind of just blew my mind. He said, oh my gosh, God is all about transformation. And he says, but the problem is, um, he has to deconstruct us in order to accomplish it in our lives. And he said, um, he, he goes, the father actually, um, he de deconstructs our life and Jesus partnered with him by dying on that cross, being the living example of, of a life being deconstructed, if you will. If, does that make sense? And here's the truth. God loves each one of us too much to let us stay the way we are. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time. God loves us too much to let us stay the way we are. 
I had an interesting conversation uh, at the end of last week about the fact that God should just be all loving. And I agree, he is all loving, but he loves us so much that he will transform and change things in our lives. Yes? I mean, if you have a little kid and they run across the street, um, you're gonna run in front of them, yes? You're gonna stop them from running across that. You're not gonna be so loving that you're gonna go, I'm just gonna let them do whatever they want. You're gonna love them so much that you're gonna change their direction. And God loves you, church, so much that he's going to change your direction. He deconstructs us. Jesus then ultimately died and he raises from the grave and in that resurrection, he actually reconstructs us. He gives us the ability to be reconstructed into the creation that he created us to be. This is good news. And then I really love what John Peterson just shared with me. He said, the Holy Spirit then partners with the Father and the Son, and he begins to transform us. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we become transformed. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says it this way. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his image with an ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, a couple things that I catch in the middle of that is that no one becomes completely transformed into the perfect human being that God created them to be. Yes? It goes from glory to glory to glory. It's, it's incident or, or issue to issue to issue that God pinpoints in our lives that we then give over to him. We become transformed in that area and now we have the power and the authority to communicate to other people about that area. Okay? Do you get the picture? And so God's heart for us is that we would understand this and have the mental capacity to realize God is trying to transform us all the time. And here's what's interesting. As we were talking about this, as, as a teaching team, I actually was sitting there going, well, I don't know if there's been areas in my life that I've been transformed. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit started to speak to me and was like, uh, well, what about when you stop smoking instantaneously? That was a pretty good transformation right at the beginning of your salvation. Or how about your concept and your thought of uh, how leadership is structured and how leadership things are being done that I've been working on you in the last three, or f- three to five years. I was like, oh yeah, that's a pretty good transformation. It's amazing because the enemy would love to steal this idea and understanding that you are continually being transformed. And if you think about it for just a minute, you'll begin to realize that God has transformed you, but the enemy tries to keep you caught up in everyday activities so you won't think about those transformations because if you don't think about them, then you won't tell anybody else about it. Are you getting that? And so my first goal uh, for this evening is to get you to remember that you have been transformed. Um, We're gonna go through this series and we're gonna talk about several things in the next few weeks and DJ did such an incredible job of opening this series and talking about the fact that that the word of God transforms us, that Jesus comes and and partners with us and that we're in a family of of believers that will partner with us in this transformation as well, right? But some of the areas that we think as a teaching team that God wants us to be transformed in is humility, religious freedom, peace, Love, forgiveness, repentance, and things like that. And so I real quick want to pass the mic, and I want you to answer one of two questions for me. Um, and here's, 
You can answer either one of these or both if you'd like to. And I don't really want long answers, just quick little testimonies of, of these things possibly. Um, one, one of two questions. What is an area of your life that has been transformed? What is, if you could share with us, what is an area of your life that has been transformed? And it can be super quick that, like me, when I asked Jesus in my heart, I uh, was a smoker. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit told me, you need to stop. And I immediately stopped. I was dating my wife at the time, and we both smoked together, and she didn't get that word from the Lord, and so I cast judgment and condemnation on her, and because she couldn't stop right away until the Holy Spirit spoke to her, and then she was transformed in that particular area. So it could be very simple like that. Or the second question is this, what is an area of your life that you are asking God to bring transformation what is an area in your life that you would like to see God actually bring transformation, a change of thinking, a change of mindset in your life? And so, I already had a hand over here. Go ahead. Which question? Either one. Oh, uh... Give me a story of transformation or an area that you would like to see transformation in your life. Okay. Um, my name's Rosanna. Um... The events leading up to my divorce a long time ago, 20 years ago, um, uh, made me very angry. And I joined a 12-step for anger and uh, for any life-controlling uh, problem. And it was uh, through the church, and mine was anger because mm. I couldn't f forgive my husband every day. And I realized since I, I forgave him, but I couldn't forgive him every day. And I knew then that it was time for me to leave. And, um, and that's when things ended. But um, I feel like God has delivered me from the anger. That's awesome. That's a transformation. Yes, yes. it is. Absolutely. Yes. Very good. Somebody else. Um, 13 years ago, I was a drug dealer in the streets of Houston, um, radically saved by, by Jesus, instantly delivered from addiction and all that stuff. And currently, the Lord's working on me with uh, patience and anger with my children, and I'm believing the Lord for deliverance there. And like, as the layers of the onion get peeled back, he just keeps revealing things, and um, it's good, though, man. That's good. I, I love it. So you were transformed, and now you are asking God to give transformation with areas with your kids right now, Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Somebody else? Yeah, up here. I would like to see transformation in my lazy mindset. Say it again. Transformation in my lazy like mindset. You know, when you know yes. you have to do something and you're just like, nah, I'll just lay here. <laughs> I do that a lot. So <laughs> some would call that procrastination, okay. yes? Okay, a transformation and procrastination. Okay. Anybody else? Oh, no, don't raise your hands. Okay, a bunch of people are like, yeah, okay. Uh, somebody else? Uh, I'd like transformation in, in my judgment. I judge everyone mm. constantly. If you, are, if you voted for Trump, I judged you. If you voted for Biden, I judge you. If you <laughs> wear a specific T-shirt that says something, I'm judging you. And it's, it's, it's pretty... Um, it's pretty bad, so. Okay. It's good. These are things that we can pray for one another in, yes? Yeah, right here. 
Um, one of the things that I think the Lord has really transformed and kind of given me a new way of thinking and feeling and seeing in life. Um, I remember when my kids, especially when my kids were really young, uh, we moved overseas and, and feeling like intensely uh, fearful, just obsessively fearful perhaps about their safety and controlling kind of everything that I couldn't control. And so over, I remember just hearing from the Lord really clearly, like, I have not given you a spirit of fear and that love cast out all fear. And, and just writing in my journal, I have no idea what you mean. Like, I cannot begin to fathom that. And, and just telling him, like, I, w- I would love for you to teach me a new way of loving because I don't know that way. And over the course of about a year, I would say the Lord really completely transformed the way I, I thought about Oh, that's amazing. And I love the fact that you admitted that it, it was over about a year. So some transformations can happen instantaneously, right? Sometimes God will just touch us supernaturally. Other times it's a work in progress that the Holy Spirit leads us through. Um, and so I know the scripture is from glory to glory, but sometimes that glory can be a period of time and, and be, uh, be willing to wait on the Lord in the midst of, of that transformation. Anybody else? Yeah, I'm Jordan. Um, and uh, yeah, the life-threatening stuff he's taken from me instantly. You know, the meth addiction, the drug smuggling, the drinking, the smoking. Like, he's taken from me instantly. That's awesome. But the transformations that, with character, like, he has me work on, work hard on, you know. And most recently, I notice, um, I'm, I'm like, Lord, I'm the most unforgiving person on the planet. And, you know, it's like, hey, I'm not ashamed to admit it because, like, God's the Holy One, Jesus is the Holy One, I'm an angry yabo, you know. Um, And I'm a truck driver, and so there's chaos around me all the time, right? And there's plenty of of opportunities to pay back. And uh, what I'm trying to say is, is not only does God forgive me constantly, he protects me constantly, you know. And so as I see that, I just hit my knees every night, and I'm like, just teach me to practice, teach me anything about forgiveness, anything, you know. Um, and sure, there's, there's opportunities throughout the week to practice it, but, like, I just got to let go and create space for him to do it. Because of my own will, I'll just make it worse. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'll try to force it, try to force it, and sure enough, I'll crack and make it way worse. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, it, my, my shame and the accuser wants to go ahead and say, like, oh, you know, you're a Christian, it's all about forgiveness, so you can't admit that you can't forgive anybody. But no, like, yeah, okay, I'm terrible at forgiveness, but like that extra protection piece, it's like he protects me constantly. A week ago, I got into two auto accidents in one day, and uh, I'm a truck driver, it's going to happen, but my point is, is like, it could have been way worse, way, way worse. And, you know, we get to... You know, he forgives me and uh, protects me constantly, and I just hope I can do the same. That's good. I, I love what you said that, you know, for you and your testimony that on the big stuff, the life-threatening stuff, he transformed you kind of overnight. Um, but then on some of the character things, um, it's a work in progress. And I think that that would be the case for probably everybody in this room. Um, and some of the things that I'm hearing as people are just sharing this is that some of these transformations are very specific and individual. 
But some of them are transformations that I believe that God wants for each one of us in our lives. And so that's really kind of where we're going to lean into it. And so, guys, thank you with the mics. I'll be coming back to you in a minute. Um, but I, I think that God um, has individual things that he works on each one of us and wants to transform in us. Um, but then I think there's kind of family characteristics that he wants to transform all of us in. When we come to know him, when we invite him into our heart and ask him to begin to uh, live within us, he begins to show us, okay, well, here's some of the characteristics of the family. Um, And, you know, when you're born again, it's very interesting because we understand this from a physical sense. Um, when, When we're born into a family, we inherit the characteristics of the family. And I oftentimes joke, you know, my mom's good looking, my dad's good looking, so here am I. I had to do that because DJ did it last week, so I'm just bringing it in. Uh, we're both very good looking dudes. That's, that's what I'm saying right there. Uh, just kidding. There are certain characteristics, family characteristics that we just naturally inherit. And I want you to understand that when you ask Jesus into your heart, the word of God says that you are born again into a new family. And therefore, you have the rights and the heirship to all of those things in that family. Amen. Yes? And so in the midst of that, Um, we have to start to live that way. And the word of God instructs us in these things and shows us the areas that he wants us to be transformed in. And so um, what I'm gonna tackle this week is humility. Because I think one of the areas that God wants to transform every single believer is in the area of humility. I think humility is a huge characteristic that makes us different than the world. We live in a paradoxal kingdom. Um, If you want to be first, you do what? Be last. If you want to be greatest, you what? You serve. It's upside down. If you go out into the downtown area of Castle Rock and you say, hey, if you want to be great, what do you got to do? And they're going to go, you go after you and you be you and you get whatever you need and you step on whoever you need to step on. Yes? That's the world we live in. And so um, we were talking as a teaching team, and um, I self-determined that I would be the best one to speak on humility in this. <laughs> this has been tough for me, actually, this week, because the second that you think you're good at it, right, you just disqualified yourself from that. Um, DJ was telling me, you know, he, he read something, yeah, kind of a joke that, you know, oh yeah, I was offered the award for humility and they took it away the second I, I accepted it, right? I mean, so there's, it's just a difficult issue to bring up and it's a process and I think in regards to all of our lives, humility is something that God wants us to walk in, but I would, I would say that it is a daily process in our walk with God, and it's a continual transformation. And so even in an issue like humility, um, there is a process of transformation, and I don't think you just overnight become humble, right? It's, it's making a series of decisions that puts you in a place that says, hey, I, I will choose humility over what the world would tell me to choose. And so I wanted to ask um, you guys, when I say the word humility, um, what does it mean? What, what comes to mind when you hear, hear the word humility? Right up front here. Empathy. 
Empathy. Okay, somebody who shares empathy with others. Okay, I love that. Somebody else? Over here? Three over here. Like a balanced way to share wisdom and humility. Like to share words and humility with wisdom. A balanced way to share wisdom like that, Rosanna? Oh, sorry, Amy? Um, I always think of the C.S. Lewis quote just about it's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Mm, That's a great quote. Wow, I should have come up with that one in my study, but I didn't. So I'm so glad you grabbed the microphone there. I like that. It's not thinking less about yourself, but think, say that again. Of yourself. Of yourself less, yes, okay. Uh, I heard a message by Chris Fallotin one time about um, going, going low. It's like to go forward, we have to go low. And I always get the picture of humbling, myself, the same goes along the same lines, that we have to think of others first. Okay. You know, think of others before our, we think of ourselves. So Love that. Okay, very good. Anybody else? Humility, all the way over here. One, one here, go ahead there, and one, the other guy, all the way over here. Uh, my name is Sarah, and I think of humility as the balance between pride and self-pity, right in the middle. Pride, the balance of pride and self-pity. Ooh, that's good. I like that, okay. Right here. Two qualities I always notice in humble people in my life are they're confident and also that they accept criticism very well. Confident and accept criticism. Oh, I like that. Um, and it's, would you agree it's a confidence that's not, it's not a prideful confidence, right? It's, there's, there's a confidence. You guys are so wise. I love this. This is going right where... The message is going, so I love it. Um, anybody else? All right. Um, you guys can stay up there because I'm going to ask another question. The dictionary, if you look it up and you define humility, it says this. Having or showing a modest or low esteem of one's own importance. Having a feeling of insignificance or inferiority. Okay, let me read one more time. Having or showing a modest or lowest estimate of one's own importance, having a feeling of insignificance or inferiority. Okay, now here's my question. Do you agree with the definition or not, and why or why not? Okay, there's hands going up. Oh, I like this. All right. Um, for me, I don't agree with that definition at all. Um, okay, but wait, it's in the dictionary. But I, I, I The believe, English dictionary. This believe, is what everybody in the world would go to for humility. I believe that that is a worldly definition of okay. what humility should be. I guess the way I think of, when I think of humility, I think about killing one's own flesh through reverence in Christ. So it's basically, okay, I'm lowering myself in the worldly manner, but because I'm born again in a new life, it's my reverence in Christ that makes me wherever I need to be. You know, it's like um, I'm not going to be insignificant because God created me wonderfully and beautifully in his image. I'm not inferior because 
I serve the great I am. So I am great in his image as well. Ray, get up here and preach the rest of this message. Come on. Somebody else. Like it or don't like it and why, why not? Okay, we'll go over here first. So... I agree with everything he's saying, but in my mind, I saw it like flipped. So I wanted to agree with how it said it because I'm looking at like, that's the questions and like how I feel myself when I think of like how God would want me to do something. So it keeps me motivated to like doing the right thing and being humble is in my mind to like meet God's standards and not our own, so then I would feel like maybe insignificant or am I the one, but then you're going to have the drive to do it. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. So and like actually reverse, we're going to address that. And so we actually, that's okay. really good. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Right here? Um, I'm actually really surprised that that's the dictionary definition. Yeah. Um, I mean, just... You know, even outside of the biblical definition that we've talked about, I don't know that everybody sees humility that way. They may not see it the way we see it, you know, biblically, but like, no. you know, I've worked with kids, I've worked with my own kids, you know, who are prideful and we talk about being humble, yeah. you know, and, you know, not walking around and saying I'm good, but like people like people who aren't bragging about themselves, right? right? You need to be humble. And we talk about that and that's not what we were talking about, and that's not what anybody, any students I ever talked to thought I was saying. Yeah. So it's just, I don't know, it just doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. And I, I got to be honest with you, I only looked up one definition, so I don't mm -hmm. know if like Webster's has something different, than, <laughs> but this is the one that popped up when yeah, I looked yeah. it up. So pass the mic right behind you, and then right over here too. Yeah, so I go straight to Ephesians 3 when it says, you know, that when Paul is praying that you may be able to comprehend together with all the saints what is all these different dimensions of God's love for us so that we may be filled up to the fullness of God. And so if you're filled up, you're not lacking, you're not self-centered, you're not constantly looking at yourself, uh, trying to elevate yourself or degrade yourself. You're just, you're not lacking anything. So you are free then to open your eyes and see other people. And so that's why I really loved what you said about the confidence, and um, I actually don't have a problem with the first half of that definition, but then you get that hyphen there, having a feeling of insignificance. No way. You have a feeling of significance, and you're secure in that, and so therefore you're not inferior whenever you can, uh, in your ability to love and see, minister, and serve other people, which is the real definition of humility. Well, that's really good. I also think we have to have humility in order to pursue transformation because essentially with humility, we're saying, I don't know what is best. You do, God. So you have to humble yourself before him to be transformed. So I think we can't come before God without humility because we're not um, surrendering ourselves to him without that. It's essential to come to him. Man, it's a great point. So it's almost, it's almost a process of um, humility brings transformation, transformation brings humility, and it just keeps working on itself until we get more and more Christ-like, yeah? I, I love that, absolutely. Yes, Bill? Um, just what John the Baptist said, he must increase, but I must decrease. It's good. Good. Anybody else want to comment about that definition? Why or why you might not like it? Over here in the back. Um, yeah, I think we already struggle with that as a human population, and that's why I really don't like that second half, and 
the thing is, is if we're reflecting the creator, if we're made in his image, we won't have that feeling of insignificance because it says, Leviticus or Deuteronomy, that we're his treasure. He treasures us. And if we can walk around with that, our head will be higher, our shoulders will be back, and we'll be able to go low and serve people. Mother Teresa said she used to clean toilets when she needed to be humbled. If she was on an airplane, she was thinking more highly of herself than she ought. She'd walk to the back and go clean the toilet in the airplane to <laughs> remind herself that she was in a low position to do God's bidding whenever she needed to, whatever that might be, even if it's cleaning a toilet, that she's his servant. But in a wonderful way, right? We're his yeah. treasure. I would have loved to know what she had to be thinking to go clean a toilet in an airplane. That'd be kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, I do have a problem with the first part. Having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance. I think that last part, the, a low estimate of one's own importance, causes us to not think we have anything of value to give to the church, to give to the world, that our gifts and talents are given to us by God so that we can do something with them to show him or show the world who he is. We are important. We, do, we weren't given those gifts to do something, but instead we, get, we like thwart them or, or, or ignore them or say, no, no, I, if, I, if I demonstrate this gift, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm pointing towards myself. And, that's, and, and I think that stifles so many people from, from like sharing their uh, testimony or heart or love or gift or, well, I mean, there's tons of gifts, right? In the Bible, it isn't just, well, there, there are so many, but, but I think we, we stop giving to the world or to our friends or neighbors or family or whoever because we think, oh, no, I, no, I can't flaunt this gift. And, and then somebody loses out because we didn't do the thing that we should have done. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And it's Amen. so good. Okay. Oh, over here. Um, I was going to say it almost seems like that's how you could please one another, not God. <laughs> that's deep right there. Say it one more time. It almost seems like that's how you can please each other instead of pleasing God. Okay. Um, I think that we have grown up with a false understanding of what humility is. And I think we need to make sure that we fully comprehend and understand what humility from a biblical definition is. And we're going to read some scriptures that have that word humility or humble in it. And we have to understand that if we don't have the correct biblical definition, then we will get off. And when we get off, if we live that way, we'll be way away from what God originally intended in regards to the transformation of humility. Yes? And so um, we talked about it as a teaching team. I think a lot of times people think humility is, is thinking less of themselves to the point where they, they don't have an importance. They don't have a significance. But church, I'm here to tell you that when God asks us to be humble, as we read these in just a few minutes, he's not asking us to think that we're unworthy or think that we are less than. As a matter of fact, he knows the number of hair on your head. He has more purpose and plans than you could ever hope for or imagine. And he wants you to understand that you are you are so significant in him, in him, 
that you are so important in him. But then being a part of being in him then creates us to have a reliance on him and that's what brings a humility. And it's not as the world would say, you need to make yourself just a miserable wretch. Uh, no, it, it's saying, hey, I have an understanding of who I am to the point where I will not flaunt that over anybody because I'm confident in who I am. Does that, does that make sense? All right, the word is used 30 times um, in either a noun form, a verb form, or an adjective in the New Testament. So 30 times. Um, it all comes from the root, um, which actually is the adjective uh, tapainos. Did I say that, Mark? Tapainos? Tapainos. Tapainos. All right. And it's, here's, here's the definition. If you go to biblehub.com, you can look this up yourself. Um, but here's what it means. Low, lying, lowly, lowly in spirit, properly, low, inner, Lowliness, describing the person who depends on the Lord rather than self. It means being God-reliant rather than self-reliant, which ironically always exalts a person and brings them true worth. Okay, so to what you said, if we are trying to be humble in ourself, then we're trying to do things to please one another and we're not relying on God to help us to see what that looks like. And when we're not relying on God, then we're in ourself and anytime we step out in ourself trying to be humble, it's a false humility. And I would, okay, I would submit this to you that in the church, there's a whole lot of self-humility going on, okay? Because what we're trying to do is we read the verses that talk to us about being humble, and so then we try to make ourselves humble. We try to verb humility ourselves, and what's really interesting is that uh, I could only find one one area where the verb for humility was used, and it was like, unless you humble yourself like a little child. That verb, that humble is, is a verb. Now there's other, another area where it uses the verb is those who exalt themselves will be humbled, verb. And those who humble themselves, verb, will be exalted, which goes directly in line with that definition right there. Yes? And so the key is, church, that we have to have a reliance on God. We have to have a reliance on God. And we have to understand that his spirit is the one that brings the transformation into our life. And his spirit is the one that will help us to know what it is to be humble in him. Yes? Okay, I know I'm getting a little heady, so I know I'm making you think a lot right now. Let's read some verses. What does the Bible say about humility? Um, I asked you to read Philippians 2, 1 through 11 um, this week in the text. Um, hopefully you did, but if not, we're gonna read it right now. Therefore, if any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. Okay, so in other words, if you are receiving anything from the Lord, pay attention, Yes? This is what Paul's trying to get us to understand. Then make my joy, who's joy? Paul's the author of this, being led by the Holy Spirit. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, 
having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. Okay, I'm going to stop real quick because I want to get a picture of, of as I was thinking about this, um, how this kind of played out in, in my mind. When you have an understanding of how significant you are and how important you truly are, and you take that into a room, and yet you voluntarily put yourself under somebody else to value them more than you, you are operating in a spirit-led humility that brings absolute power and life into this world. We all get this. If you admire somebody, I'm willing to bet one of the reasons you admire them is because they're humble. We admire humility, and then we walk in pride. Yes? Okay, maybe it was just me. Maybe I do. I admire humble people, but then I tend to step out thinking, I know everything, and I'm going to do it on my own. And what Paul is writing is saying this, hey, understand who you are. Get the concept of how important and significant you are. But in the midst of that, do nothing out of that selfish ambition or vain conceit. But rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. And then he gives the example of Christ Jesus as the one that we're looking up to. Verse 6, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so here we have Jesus who is King of kings and Lord of lords and he is God in person, yes? And he voluntarily subjected himself, humbled himself. He had all the authority and all the power that anyone could ever have and he laid it down and he put you and I above him. And Paul is saying, this is what I want you, church, to grasp, comprehend, and walk in. Don't self-abase yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Don't tell God and other people that you're a miserable wretch. Understand that you are very significant, that God knows you by name, but then take that understanding and that confidence in who you are and put others above you. Man, I struggle in this. Many times more in my thoughts than in my actions. Yes? Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. 
Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. First Peter 5, 5 and 6. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. I was reading that one day. I'll never forget it. I was reading that one day. And I was sitting in a chair behind the desk and there was a windowsill right behind me. And I was like, God, I can't believe that you would oppose anybody. My understanding is that you're all loving, you wanna bring everybody in. And so this, this bothered me. God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. And there was a stack of magnets on my window that day for some reason. And so I grabbed those stacks of magnets and I was playing with them. And if you've ever played with magnets, you know how um, you know, they either snap together or they repel. And as I'm playing them, contemplating and thinking about this one verse, I felt like the Holy Spirit told me, hey, I actually don't resist anybody, but when you walk in pride, you flip the magnet and you repel yourself off me. And not only do you do that with me, but you do that with other people. When you walk in pride and arrogance, or what was the word you used? The... Pity, or, or pity, which I would submit is the other side of pride. You tend to repel yourself off of God and the things that he would have for you and even other people. But you flip that magnet around and they just snap together. And it's the picture that I got that when we walk in humility as God sees it, we just snap right to him. We're reliant on him, we're connected to him. And I was thankful that God gave me that illustration. It was so good. Proverbs 15, 33, wisdom's instruction is fear of the Lord and humility comes before honor. Proverbs 18, 12, before downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Proverbs 22, 4, humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Okay, so as I'm reading through those, I'm thinking, I think everybody in this room would like honor. I think everybody in this room would like wisdom. I think everybody in this room would like riches. And it says, hey, before any of those, humility needs to take place. Okay, so let's pass the mics one more time. How do you obtain, I don't know if that's the right word, how do you put yourself in a, in a way so that you can walk in this humility that God is asking you to? Right here. And again, state your name so everybody kind of knows. I'm Brad's brother-in-law. That's my name. Famous. Brad's, famous Brad's, Brad's brother-in-law. Yeah. I'm, first time here? First time, Jonathan. Yeah, thanks for grabbing the mic. Thank you. Welcome Thank to you. Shine. Such a good word, man. Such a good word. Um, you know, I was thinking when you were talking about um, Andrew Murray wrote one of my favorite books called Humility. And it's a little tiny read, but it just breaks me up every time I read it. But one of the big takeaways for me in that was he said that Jesus was lifted up highest because he went the lowest. And he has the name above every other name because he took the name of a servant. So the measure of glory in heaven is the measure of humility. So the lowest one has the highest name. So my takeaway from that was that immense glory 
awaits those who choose to be humble here. And so part of the, like for the joy set be before him, he endured the cross. Part of the incentive for me for humility, like the Mother Teresa story was so good, is that there's a huge payoff on the other side for that. The most humble one is actually the closest to the throne of God. The most humble one is the highest. And whoever chooses humility here will be the closest. The least will truly become the greatest on the other side. So for me, it's almost, it seems selfish, but I think the Lord put that there for a reason, that there's inconceivable reward and eternal honor for those who choose humility now. So really I think good. that's a really good incentive. Really good. So. As, you're, as you're saying that, I read a book called The Final Quest by Rick Joyner. This was several years ago, mid-90s. Um, but it, he, he got a vision of walking in heaven, and he said that he was amazed at the people that had the most bravado and that he thought would be like the closest to the throne room were the farthest away. They were in heaven, but they were the farthest away. And the people that he thought were pretty insignificant in this world were the ones that were closest to the, the throne room. And he, he said um, one in particular was the bellboy at this hotel that he walked in all the time. Basically that he would throw bags at, hey, take these, you know, and he would take them up to his room. Ended up being at the closest. And I'm not saying that is thus saith the Lord, but it's just interesting idea that maybe when we stand before the Lord, uh, we're gonna be like, oh, <laughs> had no idea that that person was doing so much of what you called them to do. And that person was missing it. Um, and so it's just very interesting. How do we obtain this? Right, we'll go right here first. Oh, that's DJ. All right, burnt. Go, bro. Back, back row brothers. Um, John 13 speaks of Jesus washing the disciples' feet and um, Peter initially refusing to allow him to wash his feet. Mm -hmm. And when Jesus told him, hey, unless you let me do this for you, you have no part with me. Like, you don't get anything that I'm doing, which is super strong language, right? After, like, three years of, of walking 24-7 and, and all of that, you know, Peter had left everything to follow Jesus. But... Um, I believe that the Lord is wanting us to understand that in order to gain humility, it's so counterintuitive. It's what you're saying. It's completely opposite of the world's mindset. Because in order to gain humility, I have to let Jesus treat me like a king. He humbled himself and became the servant to say, the king of kings is bowing before you, washing your feet. If that doesn't give you identity, if that doesn't fill your cup the, you know, and it says in that, earlier in that chapter, like, he knew where he was going, he knew where he came from, he knew the Father had put all things under his feet. That doesn't sound like lowering yourself. It sounds like you have a, a mindset of abundance, of identity, of knowing who you are. That empowered him to humble yeah. himself out of the overflow. And I think our tendency is like, no, 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 like, I don't, I don't, and that was Peter's, like, no, 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 like, no, no, you shouldn't serve me. And Jesus is like, if you don't let me serve you, you're empty, and you're going to be passing along that orphan mindset that we see in the world today. Everybody's like fighting for honor, like an ounce of, like you step, no, you step, no, you step. Like it's, we see it when we're driving, we see it in politics, we see it in everything. And I think the only way to get that is from a source that's not of this world. Because if I'm waiting for you to serve me and honor me and you're waiting for me to like, 
We're both beggars. We're both like, neither one of us has honor to give the other, let alone enough for ourselves. And I think Jesus is like saying, if you let me pour it into you, I'm the only source that can literally fill your cup to where then you can turn around and wash somebody else's feet, humble yourself before them, not feeling like a servant. I mean, acting, you know, in a servant's heart, but actually feeling like a king and like a son. I don't know if that makes sense. But yeah. so letting him honor us, I think, is kind of a first step. Um, I, DJ, as you were saying that, I, it, the definition for the noun for humility actually came to my mind, and I want to read a portion of that. It says this. It's an inside-out virtue produced by comparing ourselves to the Lord rather than to others. This brings behavior into alignment with this inner revelation to keep one from being self-exalting or self-determined or self-inflated. And DJ, as, as you were saying that, I, I, I just, as you're talking, I know we talked about it as the teaching team, that definition, but as you're saying that, I'm like, oh my gosh, when we compare ourselves to the Lord, we're comparing ourselves to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, right? Who then voluntarily said, Peter, let me wash your feet and said, you will have no part of me unless you let me do this. And when we actually have that mindset where we're actually placing ourselves to, to the comment you said, when we're placing ourselves in comparison to the Lord, it's not just that we're comparing that, oh yeah, he's so incredible and we're so not. It's actually comparing ourselves to how are we serving? How are we doing in regards to voluntarily doing what, what Jesus did and yet accepting and understanding that we are who God called us to be and that we are valued and worthy of having him wash our feet. Man, it is, it is, it's a hard thing to grasp and I totally get that, but I would submit to you, church, um, until we embrace our identity in him, we're gonna have a really hard time being humble. Which kind of sounds counterintuitive because if I grab a hold of who I am and I start professing I'm God's favorite, it's going to kind of seem a little prideful. <laughs> but yet it's, it's just, you know, how God works in us in the midst of that. Um, sorry, and I'm rambling at this point because of what we said. Okay. I, I feel, I, I'm Jasmine. I feel like in a practical way you could practice to be humble would be to, like, be the action part of that instead of having to tell everybody. Like, instead of, what you find would make you humble and like helping others, you don't have to explain to them how you're the most helpful person ever. Like just be the most helpful person ever. That's and God. then, you know, cause you're not trying to convince each other. Like if God already knows how awesome you are and helpful you are, then it's already known. So just go be that. That's good. My name is KK and it tells you in the Bible that fasting and prayer is the quickest way to be closest to Jesus. So I think that if you come into prayer with, other people around you, that's the fastest way to go into humility. Hum humility. Yep. Humility. Fasting and prayer. Good. Uh, do I have a witness back here, Katie, on that? Amen. Okay. Yes. I'm Jennifer. Um, I, I want to go back to your original question. How do you, how do you get it? Yeah. Um, and um, I, I don't believe that humility is one of those instant transformations. 
like you were talking about. At least I know it isn't for me. Right. Um, for me, it's it's a lifelong journey of trusting in God and asking the Holy Spirit for guidance and um, knowing that I'm going to mess up, but, you know, just listening. Like, you need to do this now, like, even if you don't want to. And I feel like, in a way, the disciples were such a good example of that. They just kept messing up, but then they would do it all right. They They would make better decisions, and then they kept messing up, and they would make better decisions. I mean, look at Peter denying Jesus three times, right? Yeah. And but what he went out to do after that. So I, it's a lifelong journey of so listening good. and learning and yeah. making small changes as you go. I love that, and I think that's so important for everybody to get that this is a process that we need to let God begin to transform us. And um, Michaela, what you said, and be humble to let Him do that. I mean, it's, it's that process of going back and forth. Um, who's got the mic? Okay, one there and then back there. Look at you guys <laughs> being, being humble, so humble with one another. No, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, my name is Lauren. Um, I was just thinking about the times where it's really easy for me to not be humble. Um, and just specifically in the sense that, like, the times where I am most intolerable is when I feel dishonored or disregarded. Um, sometimes I become intolerable and, um, and it's, and I'm not being humble. I'm being prideful and I'm angry because people aren't treating me with respect. Um, so I was just thinking that, um, like pride is when we are, um, trying to get value for ourselves. Right. And humility is a place of rest where we're receiving the value that we have in the Lord. And we're free in that place of rest to receive people who aren't free to give honor. Um, and, and to see them in like whatever it is that they're struggling through, you know, um, whether it's like my kids who are just being kids and they're cranky because they're cranky and it's not because I'm a terrible mom. Um, but then I am a terrible mom because they're cranky and you know, it's, it's a cycle. But anyway, I think just receiving that from the Lord, like I am who you say I am and I'm valued by you and I'm loved by you and I'm free to engage people who are broken in a world without needing value from them um, and just to love them the way that you do. Okay, so question for you that popped in my head. If we are operating in a pride or an arrogance, could that be a litmus test that we're suffering and understanding who we are in him. Absolutely. I think, yes. I, th- I don't know that we're struggling. I think sometimes we're just really fighting hard to get value. Yeah. Um, I think we see that everywhere in the world, fighting hard for our value to be recognized and seen. Um, but yeah, I think it's a litmus test that we have not experienced the love of God yeah. in a way that gave yeah. us rest. Some of you have heard me say this, but I believe that God gives us indicator lights like a dashboard on a car. And as you were saying that, I just thought to myself that maybe having pride and arrogance is a little bit of light that's going, hey, you're walking away from who I created you to be and you're not embracing that identity that I have for you. Um, and so it could be a little bit of a, oh, hey, I need to service that real quick. And if I do, and that'll bring me back into that. And how do you service it? By looking at your identity, not at the pride or the humility. 
Um, I guess just speaking a little bit on what they both just said, I'm happy I didn't let her go first. Because uh, <laughs> it speaks a little bit of, of what they both just said. Um, I mean, scripture tells us, I mean, you got to be transformed because humility is a transformation that takes place. You got to be transformed by renewing of your mind, right? And there's another part of that verse that speaks about uh, that will you be able to test and, uh, and approve um, God's will. Um, what I've come to realize, uh, a lot of people are slave to their past. Um, whether it's uh, being prideful or on the other side of the spectrum, um, as the young lady spoke about before, when it comes to being self-pity, you're a slave to that. And because you haven't renewed your mind just yet, you can't come to attain who God has already created you to be. Um, the enemy's biggest trick, I realize even with myself, um, whether before coming, being born again, was in my past, where there was things to be shameful about, where there was mm. things to be prideful about, it, it, it kept me, it, it, I was a slave to it, and it, it kept me from being humble in the way Christ wanted me That's to good. be humble. Um, it, it, it puts you in a place where you don't even know whether you're, you're here to serve or be served, so it puts you in a stuck kind of place, and that's the enemy's plan. Um, and once you're, you're born again and you're delivered by Christ himself, I mean, that's humility is a lifelong journey, but the glory that you glory, glory to glory to glory that you go through, it, it takes you in the steps of humility. Whether you think you're going lower in the earthly realm, you know that through Christ, you're going to get there in the way he sees you. That's good. Yeah. That's good, right? That's good. Um, all right. Okay, I've got Marcus. i got Crystal and Marks. Go ahead. I want to interject another word, uh, honesty. So if pride comes before a fall, so if, you're, if, if you have a fall because you were prideful or you did something that you had to fall, you, you, right? So then in that fallen position, if I'm not honest, if I don't take the time to self-reflect, I mean, what did Plato say? The self-examined life is not worth living. So if you're not looking at what's why you fell, then you're just going to end up being back in that prideful position. So mm. honesty in that circumstance helps bring about humility. Love that. Love that. Honesty with God and yourself, yes. And then I would submit honesty with one another. Because as DJ talked about last week, God is neck deep in this with us, but then we also have the family of believers that he uses to help transform us. And so I think there's an honesty in that. A whole other message on vulnerability and confession and all of that. Dan, but yes. I know that I know that she's first, but I need to tag onto that because I feel like <laughs> the Holy Spirit told me to say, I came out of the tech booth just for this. So, and now somebody needs to get the guy at Lounger too. Um, okay, wait a second. Do we have the camera on you? That's what I want to know. Who's, who's, I have put, no idea. Okay. <laughs> um, I think what you just said right now, Mark, is, is incredibly potently powerful. That's something that all of us need to learn. Um, and I've learned the hard way. So I, I speak from experience. I'm not a humble person. I still have so much pride within me. But one thing I recognize is that the mercy of God oftentimes for people who walk in pride 
is to forcefully humble them. And I think we live in a day and age where mm. we see people at, at high heights falling great distances. And there's always a finger pointing and everybody else and every reason why this happened or whatnot. But I think generally the root of all those things, in fact, I believe the root of all sin is pride. And that's the, it's the fact that I'm God and I can make the decisions. I can, you know, I know the path of my life or whatnot. Mm. And I believe that God's mercy is so good in our lives that he has given us time after time after time where we're encountering situations where oftentimes we feel humiliated, but it is actually God's mercy and humbleness in, in situations where we have an opportunity to respond. And that's, that's a response of honesty and truth, walking in righteousness and walking out of our pride, or continuing to point fingers and blame all the reasons why this happened or why it's somebody else's fault. Um, and one day I'll tell my story to everybody. Some of you guys know it, but the reality is, is I was humbled. And I, I tell people all the time that the Lord cut me at my knees. And at the moment that he cut me at my knees, it did not feel like it was his mercy. It did not feel like it was his grace upon my life. But I know now, years after that, that that situation in particular was what God needed to use in my life to bring me to a place where I could walk through the low door, where I could go through the narrow gate. And I could understand that he didn't want me and he would not allow me to live the rest of my life without being forcefully humbled. And so I just felt like the Holy Spirit told me to just to say that if you are in this room and you're in a situation and, and you're walking through life or maybe you've walked through other situations where you have been humbled, and that's, that's not just with God like in, in, in big you know, formats, but it's, it's in general relationship mm. that if, if you've walked through that and you've ignored it or you've pointed fingers of blame, I think the, the best thing that you could do is, is at least seek the Holy Spirit and ask, Lord, are you teaching me humility through the humbling forcefully in my life. It sucks. It's terrible. It's not fun. It hurts. But it is the greatest path to us gaining intimacy with Christ. And it's actually probably the biggest barrier in our lives because we can't see. When you're prideful, you stand up and you can't see the low door. You look straight over it. And God is saying, no, I'm going to cut you at the knees and I'm going to let this be my mercy in your life. And so I just want to encourage anybody, just know that oftentimes, in fact, more frequently than not, if you are forcefully humbled, go to the Lord, seek the Holy Spirit, don't point fingers, open your heart because he's trying to teach you something. And unfortunately, me as a stupid human had to learn it the hard way. Um, And I still learn it the hard way so frequently, but there's life in that. That's really good. Thanks, Marcus. Crystal. Oh, he got it? Okay. All right. All right. Um, all right. Let me just finish with some of the thoughts that I felt like the Lord was speaking to me. Um, I think that what Justin spoke about a few weeks ago on, on our identity, and DJ talked about it, if we don't have the understanding of who we are in him, then what happens is we bring an orphan spirit into a situation and out of that orphan spirit is where the false humility comes from. It's a self-reliance. It's something that we try to do because we are told that that's how we're supposed to do it. Or maybe we even see it in, in others around us and we admire that and so we try to be humble ourselves. But we're doing it from that orphan spirit and the humility that comes from an orphan spirit is just gonna lead to death. But if you, con- if, you, if you grab a hold of who you are in him, then what happens is that no matter what takes place, you'll be able to walk in your identity and you'll be able to walk in that humility. And I was thinking about um, Joseph. 
in the Bible. Think about what he went through. He was, he was told by God who he was, and he embraced that. I mean, to the point where he kind of flaunted it to his brothers, yes? Like I said, which ultimately ended him in a pit, sold as a slave, serving an Egyptian, and God promoted him in the midst of that. And then Potiphar's wife comes and cuts him at the knees, and he ends up going into jail. And what... I was thinking about that story. What was remarkable at Joseph is that he seemed to be constant all the way through. No matter how low or high. DJ showed a picture last week of our life's journey that's got pits and ups and downs and all kinds of chaos. And that No matter where we are in that journey, when we know who we are, there's a consistency that stays true. And when that consistency stays true, then we will walk, I believe, in the holiness, the holiness and the humility that God has for each one of us to walk in. Because we're reliant on him and not what we're trying to become, right? We're relying on the Holy Spirit to lead us through those times. And so um, John Peterson told me, I, I'll never forget this, and forgive me if I've shared this with you guys, but this was so profound. It was about a year ago, and um, I had one of those weeks where we had um, some people tell us that they were leaving the church, and then we had another meeting like two hours later, and some people told us that we love this church and we're staying, and then I had another meeting about people leaving the church, and then I had another meeting about people staying, and I, I was telling Kim, I, we would have this one meeting, we're like, what are we doing? We're terrible, we're horrible at this, man. I, why would people wanna leave? And then somebody was like, oh man, we love this place, and we were like, oh man, this is so good, we're doing so good, and it was like this huge roller coaster in a two-day window that I was riding on. And I was telling John this at our breakfast on Wednesday and he listened to me graciously and then he looked at me across the table and he said, can I just share with you what I'm hearing? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And he goes, he goes, Dan, this is not your church. This is God's church. And if he wants to take people from the church, don't get too low about that. And if he wants to add people to your church, don't get too high about that. He goes, just let God lead the church through you and others that are part of it and don't go on this roller coaster because what that means is you're taking ownership and you're not giving it to God. That was good for me. Now I'm going to make it good for you. So your workplace, sir, ma'am, your kids, sir, ma'am, if they're creating lows and highs and you are just going bouncing back and forth, back and forth, I would just submit to you, whose are they? Well, they're my kids. No, you're the one that God is using to partner with him to parent those kids. And so don't let your highs be too high or your lows be too low. Understand that he wants to partner with you. Be reliant on him in parenting your kids and stop trying to figure it out yourself okay? Your work situation. You can apply it to whatever because the truth is God owns it all. None of it is ours. It's all his. And when we have that understanding, it evens things out. And I was so glad that I had somebody in my life that would confront me with that truth. And as painful as it was as he was speaking it, there was so much life in it. And I knew it was right. And ever since that time, I have done 
my darndest to realize, okay, God, this is your church, and I'm just following what you have called me to do. And I think we can fill in the word church there with anything else, kids, work, whatever you want. It's his. And so be confident in who you are because that's where Joseph was. He was so confident that he was consistent through that whole process. Never had too many highs, never had too many lows, and he ended up bringing salvation to his entire family and enabling the Israelites to grow to the nation and beloved people of God that they became because he understood who he was. And so understand who you are, and then a couple verses will be done. Romans 12.10. Here's some practical things that I think you can do to be applying humility in your life. Romans 12.10 in the Berean Study Bible says this, be devoted to one another in brotherly love and outdo yourselves in honoring one another. Outdo yourselves in honoring one another. Okay, we joked about it, but this whole little exchange with no, you go first, no, you go first, no, you go first. What would the world be like if we did this? What would it be like if we truly had the mindset, I'm gonna outdo somebody else in regards to an area of service. Uh, Ephesians 5.21, it says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I've heard that word submit means to voluntarily place yourself under. Now this is the very first verse of a section on marriage. Some people think it's the last verse on a section on relationship. I would submit it's a verse for both. Relationships or marriage, and bottom line is this. If we get to a place where we're voluntarily placing ourselves under somebody in a marriage, what happens when two spouses actually try to outserve each other? It's an amazing relationship. It's when you start to demand something that begins to struggle. In friend relationships, serving one another. It's amazing. And these are just practical ways that we can apply humility into our lives. Mark in our teaching team said, humility is a choice. It's not natural in our fallen nature. But it's a choice. And we can't do it without others. Right? We can't do it. We can't serve without actually serving one another. So we have to be involved in one another's lives. Um, Lauren, when we were talking about it, said this, it has to come from the Lord. You can't make yourself humble. But to Marcus's point, he may make us humble. Yeah. Are you open to let him do that? To Michaela's point, are you willing, are you humble enough to let him transform you in this? And that's what your prayer should be. Lord, I give you the right to do whatever it takes to make me more like you. And DJ when we were talking about said this, understand that God is the potter and we are the clay. Let God form us into he, who he created us to be. We have to right size ourselves, church. We are very, very small and could see ourselves as very insignificant, but the truth is God takes that smallness and goes, I know you by name. And I know how many hair you have in your head and I've got great plans and purposes for you. And so walk in that significance, that insignificant significance, if you will, and understand that he, he wants to transform you in this area. And church, let's be a church that walks in humility. Not in self-loathing, um, or but 
in a humility that understands that I know who I am, and yet I will put myself and consider others higher than me. Good? Thank you guys for interacting and participating in all of that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, well, no. I just felt like somebody in here should pray. Anybody wants to pray about this? Close this out. Justin, can we get Mike? Mike to Justin. Yeah, Lord, we just, uh, we ask that you'll make us humble, that you'll fill us up, that you'll, uh, that we will walk confidently in who you made us and that we will be freed up from that beggar spirit, that orphan spirit, Mm. so that we actually can see other people and we can focus on their needs and not our own. Lord, I thank you for, uh, the reason why I felt compelled to pray right now is, um, just thinking about DJ and Dan and their wives and uh, Janelle and Marcus and, you know, just all the staff here, how, um, Lord, you're just drawing people because of their example of how loosely they hold the reins of this church. And I just want to publicly thank you, Father, for their leadership, their humility, their service, their going low to exalt other people and what you're doing in, in others' lives. And, and Lord, I, um, I'm just feeling a lot of, um, not condemnation, but conviction uh, myself to, uh, to press into this and say, hey, there's something here uh, that we need more of, uh, that we need to pick up and, and walk with. And so, Lord, just make us a humble people. Make us a humble church yes. um, where we just we learn each other's names. We hear each other's stories. Uh, we, we lean in rather than, than pulling back and trying to make sure that we have our own taken care of. Lord, we love you, and we just surrender everything to you. Thank you for being our example. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.